Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Self-Medicated Podcast uh, for June 8th, Monday, June 8th. And it is I, your host, Troy, a.k.a. The Wayfair, a.k.a. Young Quentin Quarantino, a.k.a. The Banter Boss, here with my co-host, the captain of the igloo, uh, young, popular, and friendly, a.k.a. The Box Hunter, a.k.a. One Pop Poppy. Uh, we also have Rafi in the building, the man behind the visuals, a.k.a. Young Fast and Furious, and a new special guest today, Nesha, a.k.a. Nesh, a.k.a. Seagull, a.k.a. Nomad, a.k.a. what else? Any others? No? <laughs> Turkish Delight. Turkish oh Delight. Let's go. This is Let's go. This a.k.a. Oh the God. Turkish Delight. So you're well, my chocolate. Is that... <laughs> Wait, caramel. Me caramel. <laughs> I do. This is caramel. You said that's a stereotype. Turkish delight is a stereotype. Yeah, because are I'm you Turkish. delightful? I am. That's oh, another stereotype. Thing. It's just true. But okay. Because it's a, a treat. It's like a Turkish delight is like a, <laughs> yeah, a Turkish we know. treat. We're cultured like here. It. We we, I like we know it. what the <laughs> we yo low key the, the self medicated podcast is worldwide. Yo, we got the Turkish delight. We got the Haitian sensation. <laughs> we all over the motherfucking globe with. Right off the bat, uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram at the Self Med Pod. Uh, make sure you subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening to this. If you are uh, looking at our social medias, just tag somebody you think that this shit would be dope to. We got hella segments out now. We got what segments do we do now? We do Florida Man. We do the organic shoutouts and uh, story time and story time. Yeah, so make sure y'all check our shit out. Tag somebody that you think uh, would enjoy those clips. And make sure you subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening to this. Uh, organic shoutouts. This is the uh, a newer segment that we've done that actually I think is really, really dope. We've getting, gotten some dope feedback from it. But um, this week's organic shoutout goes to Top Black Podcast. So this is a platform on IG um, that's posting entertaining podcasts for the black community to enjoy. So big shout out to them. Make sure you follow them. It's Top Period Black Period Podcast. Um, they post all types of lit podcasts and dope podcasts uh, from black folks and for black folks. So make sure you go follow them and make sure you tell them that the self-medicated podcast sent you. For only black folks. I'm not going to click on it then. Oh. I mean, it's curated for black folks. If you would like to partake in a dose of black culture, please, by all means. I would love to. Absolutely. <laughs> please. Myself <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, right. hell yeah. The content on there is dope as fuck. I would... Um, I would highly recommend following them and, and, and checking out the shit that they post. Because they post our shit, which means our shit is dope. So <laughs> their shit must be dope. They know how to recognize talent. Exactly. Real like recognize real, real, real. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it, man. This is this is another week. I first want to check on everybody. How is everyone doing? I hear sirens already as soon as I say that. That's emblematic. That's symbolic as fuck. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, but how are y'all doing, man? How was your How was your week? How was your week? Uh, it started off a little, uh, a little rough because there was just so much going on real early in the week. As far as all the protests and the rioting, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. But as the week progressed, things got a little bit more easier. I guess I settled into the rioting. Mm. <laughs> it didn't seem as much of a threat or as crazy as I thought I was going to get. It didn't get there, so. Now I feel good. The weather's been pretty decent. Um, you know, people seem to be going outside more. City's opening up. A little yeah, bit. so <clears throat> it's a mixture, I guess. The week, how about like, you? Bittersweet as fuck, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Turkish Delight. How was your week? My week has been interesting. Ups and downs. Ups and downs. Intimate conversations with family, friend, and boyfriend. (laughs) Um, Some good retreats. Going out to public spaces, which are open right now. Mm -hmm. Lakefront. Wait, the lake is not open yet. It is. It's not open. We didn't do that legally. Y'all breaking the law for the police. (laughs) No, okay. Y'all breaking the law, I'm telling you. Because I have good stuff about this. Luckily, we're not on camera. Right. Okay, that's good. We went to the lakefront to work out. Look, we're doing squats, and we see like a a boat coming to us. We're like, oh. Are they coming to us? Literally, like, coming. (laughs) And we're like, okay, just do your squat. Act like you're just innocently doing your squat. Act like you're not And then they're turning. And we're like, I don't know. It was intimate. It was like they were literally trying to intimidate (laughs) us, make us think it was National Guard or something. Because the boats would be far out on the water, and they would turn and make a beeline straight for us, and then break off and go back away. That happened, like, three times. Well, there were other people hanging around, too. It was, look. It was not just if us. If a boat is coming towards you, why would you <laughs> run? <laughs> They're in the water. They, they can shoot. They have to. <laughs> they will shoot you from the boat? Yes. I mean, we were literally right by the water. Well, my thing is, they have to stop, dock, unload, yeah. come get you, uh-uh. pursue you. Like, that's a lot. Uh-uh. Well, you can't. <laughs> they don't have to do any of those. Snipers. They can just do it. What you, uh, yeah, Look, we're going to two intimate times. People, people might get uncomfortable seeing boats and. Um, so know. does that mean that you all uh, recommend going outside and doing these types of things, or is it like a? I personally do because I myself do it. Okay. But if it's illegal to go some places, yeah, just go to the parks and stuff. Yeah, it's definitely illegal to be in the park. <laughs> the parks no, it's opened not. up on mm-hmm. June third. Isn't it the lake? But a the park? lakefront. Is specifically still closed. Meaning mm. you can't like chill on the beach, but you can walk the trail. You can't walk the trail. You can't go to the beach. The reason for that, as far as I understand it, would be you know summertime Chicago how packed that lakefront gets. Yeah. yeah. And a regular park isn't gonna be that concentrated in terms of number of people. So I think they're trying to keep that off limits just because it's so many people in close contact, running by each other, biking next to each other, laying on the beach. But the parks. Don't you think that if the lake isn't available and the parks are, that the parks are going to be more packed? Not necessarily. Yeah, because people want to be outside and they're going to just be outside where they're allowed to be outside. So, around Lincoln Park, like last week when the protests were going on, a lot of people were literally sitting right next to each other and doing picnics and stuff. So, I, I really don't think keeping the lakefront closed and giving access to those small or big medium-sized parks is not really doing any good because people are already going out. Right. Some um, people don't even wearing masks outside. Like they're doing supermarket, but if you're going to sit next to someone on the grass, what's the difference between you wearing it in, into, like indoors, True. not wearing it that's outdoors? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. That's a really good point. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> I think we should just be allowed to do whatever the fuck we want to do. Just at this point, let it roll like Florida, huh? I mean, um, at this point, I feel like we are all armed with enough information to keep us safe, and you need to do what you need to do to keep yourself safe. What I think that, like, like 
at this point most companies and organizations have put into place things to for the most part try to keep their employees safe like for example my job i don't we are working remotely and we have been told that it's likely that we will not be required to come back to our office for the rest of the year wow right so like i will be working remotely for the foreseeable future basically so like yeah that's great that's awesome <laughs> like figure out what you are and are not willing to risk that's what you want to do that's how at this point that's kind of how i feel uh early on it was kind of scary because we just didn't know a lot it mm-hmm. was like new information and new guidelines constantly coming out right now it's kind of like all right fam <laughs> you know <laughs> we what get, you have to yeah do. we got to get how to navigate this shit. that's how i feel I act like there's not going to be a second wave, though. Well, the thing is, the second wave... Worry about it when it gets here? It's almost like, um, again, with certain precautions, like, I don't have to be out in public. I can I can opt out. The fact that you can opt out of those type of public spaces where there's a lot can. of... Some people <laughs> can. Where there's a lot of situations where there was just no avoiding the crowd. Like, you was just going to get the shits. Now, I feel like with the second wave even with the second wave we at least have a little bit more knowledge and guidelines of like right. how to navigate it also uh one thing that i haven't gotten clarity on is when they say second wave that this does this mean that a lot more people are going to get the disease or a lot more people are going to die from the disease because i think there's two very mm. specific outcomes that we need to be careful of because i think it has been proven that this coronavirus is not as deadly as a lot of folks were fearing like niggas is dying but it ain't dying. highly contagious not very deadly i think when they say a second wave they're obviously talking about there's going to be more cases and i think more deaths are kind of implied in that mm-hmm. um that's kind of what's been putting me on hold for ooh, let me buy these flight tickets while they're cheap type stuff because yeah. i'm like what's going it's still in, uncertain as far as what's going to be open available accessible in the coming months right. uh i was going to say my week been a little weird as far as work because my store got looted last weekend nice so we've been closed. <laughs> <laughs> we've been closed all week we had to go in one day and we were literally just picking up glass and trying to do inventory of everything that got stolen and yeah. things like that uh, but oh, so it's called um, they are like giving us disaster leave so we've been getting paid even though our store is closed okay so what happens with the stolen the stolen stolen products yeah I mean they as a big enterprise are I'm sure they're insured for everything so they're not gonna take a loss per se but it's a process of getting new inventory in so we can reopen and start selling again that's like, what we're waiting for do they like shut those phones off or like what happens with the like, can people use those phones? So, they didn't even get any phones. They took all the stuff that was on the, the display, display phones. phones. They put them, we put them all in the safe the night before. Okay. So, those weren't accessible. What they were stealing were, like, all the accessories off the wall, like, beats, uh, phone cases, chargers, things like that. Display shit. Okay. They broke into, like, our back room. Um, the company uses, like, tablets to process most of our transactions. So we had like 10 iPad tablets on like a charger thing. They stole all those tablets. So we can't even process anything. Right. They broke all of our computers so we can't use our desktop monitors either. Right. 
So it, they have to reorder all that stuff and once they came in. Yeah. Okay. So now the, my question is: They stole our, they stole our Wi-Fi router. Got that Nighthawk. Right. right. Uh, my question is: the shit that they took from y'all, is there like any kind of way that y'all can track it or get it back or right. anything like that, or are they just looking at it as an L? Like they're just it. looking at it as a L. They could, I mean, they could use like find my iPhone for all the iPads. They're all on the same like iCloud store, iCloud account. Mm-hmm. They mm. could do that, but do you guys they have pull up and knock on the door? <laughs> like they could just order. It's in the police. Really. But you the guys police ain't gonna. That's not a high priority right now at all. True. So I think um, they're not even bothered trying to secure what was lost. They're just like let's. Is there we like finish. sensitive information on these? Uh, yeah, I was gonna ask that. Laptops. No. Okay, because um, then I would hope they would try to get those back. <laughs> if there was, if anybody puts sensitive information, they should be fired because it's like uh, we're not supposed to do anything like okay. that with them. But um, if you're using them to handle customer accounts and transactions, mm-hmm. I'm sure they have some sort of storage of card information or account information yeah. or anything like that. Are those type of things on those iPads? Yes, but not accessible to anyone outside of Sprint at a Sprint store. Because not only are there systems that you have to sign in and log into, but they're also like geo-locked. So that if I'm not at the Sprint store on the Sprint Wi-Fi, I can't do anything on it. And it's also not saved. So let's say I'm at my store normally. I can't pull up any past body's personal information without okay. scanning their driver's license to get into their account gotcha i'll scan driver's license yeah like the club for years yeah, for, for the years yeah well you've been working there two two and a half years <laughs> years <laughs> years <laughs> far as i can they've remember been doing, they've been doing that for longer than gotcha, i've been there gotcha. the last question i have <laughs> is if they're still doing like in my day <laughs> If they're still doing inventory, there's a chance that they don't really know what they got and don't got. First thing I said when I walked in, I saw this 11 Pro Max Mophie charging case. And I said, can that come up off the wall before we start kind of stuff? <laughs> uh, I mean, we have security cameras, so I couldn't really just take it. Those but in theory, most of it did. It was funny because almost all the Android stuff was not touched. <laughs> Disrespectful. That was hilarious. But, uh, Disrespectful. Most of the iPhone stuff was gone. So I was surprised that that was there, but they were. we couldn't really just take what we wanted because all the security cameras and stuff, even though they're not hunting down the looters who took stuff, we would be held accountable for yeah. taking. So what's interesting is I heard that once things start to settle down and... Uh, police capacity is a little bit back to normal what they're going to start doing is reviewing all footage available on the internet to see all things anybody that was looting outside basically anybody else outside i don't know if y'all heard the dea got approval to um investigate people who were suspected to be involved with protests yeah so like people are getting arrested like at their schools and yep. like at their mm-hmm. homes post everything yeah. like they pulling up on people arresting mm. them so i wonder if like for example companies like that could be subpoenaed for their camera footage like hey yo y'all might not be interested in pursuing I, anything but 
law enforcement here has decided we need your shit because we're going to press charges. I think of if any location would have that, ours definitely would since we're in the Thompson State Building. Yeah, yeah, like the state police, the day I was there, there was literally like they were meeting up um, state police and uh, National Guard were Mm -hmm. gathering there before they went out into the city. So yeah, man, in the aftermath of kind of all of this wild shit, the, the looting, the heavy, I think, intense protests, all the rioting and all of that shit, uh, in the aftermath, what we have is uh, all these statements, right? So like now every motherfucking or company, uh, organization, any kind of entity is making a statement, right? I turned on my PlayStation, it was playing Call of Duty, they had a whole Black Lives Matter screen now, right? Hmm. Um, and I think just organizations and companies all over the place are all of a sudden standing in solidarity with Black Black Lives. Uh, so I wanted to get y'all. I, I I have a take on this, but I wanted to get y'all's uh, feedback on that. Like, how y'all feel about this? Especially companies that historically ain't gave a fuck or haven't said anything about Black Lives or even have behaved in the contradictory uh, fashion um, and yet are still making I stand with you statements. How y'all feel about that shit? I think... Okay, let me start. Yes, please. Uh I'm the only person who's not black in this room, so I'm just gonna get my opinion. No, I think this is also important. <laughs> no, I, people do people do care about these mm-hmm. stuff. They're not just like, oh, this is someone's opinion. Mm-hmm. Race does play a role here, so I want to let it out. So when we were coming here on the way, first Uber driver, we had to change too because of the traffic, yeah. was saying that I hope this will be the reset button for America. Because, and then he included, yeah, all of this stuff is pretty wild, but sometimes you have to try different things to get the result you have been trying to get. Mm -hmm. And I felt that. We had two, three riots, which I personally experienced back in my home, and we had many more before I was even born. So I do see why this breaking into stores and getting products, what do you call that? Looting. Looting. Mm -hmm. Some people refer it as stealing some people say looting some people say trying to make a point out here if you don't respect my right of living peacefully i'm not going to respect your right of making profit out of any kind of thing because my life is more important than this product or whatever store you're trying to protect the window of you know and i totally see that point there i see the anger i see the um reasons why of doing it and when i compare someone dying because of choking because of getting shot in their house compared to some store losing some sort of products i don't even see the equivalence so i do agree sometimes you have to try different things to get the result you're trying to get and peace is not something you're getting with peace like after the war you're getting the peace during the war people die true after the war is when you get the peace that's a bar you want to have to play, replace her with you. you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a part. Um, in terms of like, all right, so we had um, what's some what's some 
prominent statements that have gone out. I think that Ben and Jerry's, I think, has pretty much set the gold standard mm. uh, of how a, a corporation in a capitalist society needs to act and behave and put their, you know, so the type of things that they elevate, the um, things that they stand for. I think is kind of what, like, progressive folks are like. That's how you should act. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other companies like I think Legos allegedly pulled all of their police. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they didn't pull it off the shelves, but they stopped advertising any of it. Okay, so they stopped advertising their police Lego characters. Um, there's other companies that have done or said certain things, like powerful statements. Um, but to me the interesting ones are the folks like nbc who have recent racial allegations against them but then also are putting out big blm statements <laughs> that shit is fucking weird to me like the knicks for example mm-hmm. right like yeah. all of this shit they talked to even having it uh, had an uh you're right uh, don't fake internal, it out don't be a hypocrite right if an you're internal memo anything. that said hey we like basically all lives matter but then <laughs> online from the Knicks Twitter account had participated in the Blackout Tuesday shit, right? Um, so yeah, I feel like it's weird because a lot of organizations are just basically contradicting themselves. The NFL is a really good example of that mm-hmm. as well. Um, and it's weird, like even just my personal experience at my job and all of the extra fucking hours I've had to put in just to make sure that these motherfuckers don't sound crazy out here in these streets, right? Like. And it, it was funny, man, because some of the meetings that I was in, I was like, oh, this is how H&M fucked up. Y'all had no niggas in this room. Y'all just didn't because just some of the things that I was hearing, it was like, oh, if I wasn't here, this would have actually went forward. And the fact that I was here, I was able to say, mm, yeah, nah, maybe we should not do that. Let's do this instead. Really? in the highest of keys saved their asses in so many ways simply mm. by just me being like yeah no nah, we probably shouldn't say that like that you know what i mean representation mm-hmm. yeah um and then it goes even deeper and beyond because you know anybody can make a statement anybody can say whatever the fuck they want to say right. and at the end of the day it really comes down to your actions actions speak louder than words and i think was dope about this new movement about these statements and folks holding organizations and companies accountable is they saying, oh, well, fuck your statement. What's your organizational diversity look like, right? Like, what's your leadership structure look like? Now, folks are being held more and more accountable for shit like that, and I fucking love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. Um, But, at the same time, I also want us to be cautious. I believe that we are right now in the racial Me Too movement. Okay? Okay. I feel like basically if you're black, and rightly so, any kind of anything egregious towards black people right now is just not the time to be bogus to black people, right? Like you're gonna, this is the wrong time to be fucked up towards niggas. For real, for real, for real. Whether you feel that way or not, it's just not in your best interest to be bogus like that, right? And I think that, you know, after years and decades, centuries of screaming and crying and pleading for help and just awareness of like, yo, listen, 
I think that movement like movements like this are very, very necessary and it is required in order for things to get back right, right? Um, but what I do suspect is going to happen is I do think it's going to go too far at a certain point because that's how a pendulum works, <laughs> right? Like at a certain point, you know, the everything that the Me Too movement did, I think was necessary and important and vital and we had to have that. But at a certain point, also, the Me Too movement went a little bit too far in terms of, but that don't even qualify for what y'all was talking about. Now, now y'all just doing too much, y'all, including things that don't actually have anything to do with this movement in that. And I suspect that at a certain point, I don't think now or soon, but at a certain point, the racial Me Too movement is going to swing to that pendulum, too. And I'm interested to see what that bounce back looks like, what that balance of act looks like, because I think that this is very, very, a very different situation where, like, we're talking about damn near 500. We're talking about a, a, a piece of an evolutionary cycle, right? Like, we're talking about things that are so genetically embedded in folks that, like, at a time like this, when there's global recognition around the issues that we've been talking about for a long time. I wonder what that impact is going to be and what that balancing of the pendulum actually looks like. Like, where does it end up settling? Um, that's something I'm super, super duper curious about. I feel like I've been walked us on the ledge that y'all not. <laughs> y'all not. Um, what would that pendulum swinging too far look like to you? Like, what is an example exactly. of that? Because I'm curious. I don't know. I think maybe at a certain point when folks are starting to take advantage of um, the sensitivity the sensitivity of it it's not like a black people can do no wrong time period well right now it is that's what I'm saying it was just like if y'all remember it's so funny yeah like uh, what, what was the what was the tagline listen to all women uh, right until Trump and Biden came along, I was like, "Don't listen to those." Women. <laughs> right? Believe, like, believe all women. Believe all women. That's yeah, what it was. Believe, believe all, all women. women, except for we can't believe some of these women. Like, so that's what I'm saying. The pendulum is going to swing for the racial Me Too movement. It might look like. I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot of ways to exploit it, but I also right now it's hard to imagine any of those ways being unjustified. Right, because like we're still in the moment where like yeah, run all of that shit low key right now, and that's why I was talking about that the 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 length of time that we have been dealing with being stepped on as a people, like um, the payback for that is a bit more extensive. Mm -hmm. It's a long, it's a much longer process, mm -hmm. a healing process, I think. Um, so like I. That pendulum swing maybe maybe it's an extended time period before it gets to start mm. coming back this way. Maybe it's maybe it never happens. Maybe we just become a a, a black superiority society, right? Like maybe, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I'm not mad at that either. <laughs> like I don't know. What I what I think about this pendulum thing is it's more so about what impact can you have yeah. globally because mm -hmm. in america yes there are a lot of i don't know um movements going on 
targeting this issue, racial injustice, but all around the world, there are some countries which don't have multi-races, mm. but they have diversity in other terms. Yeah, so religion. in order to like raise your voice up, this pendulum movement is a great way to, it might sound so bad, but it is because human beings talk the bad thing, not the good movements. Mm -hmm. When like Australia was on fire, that was all about everywhere. People were climate activists. They were talking about it, they were donating, they were doing some stuff. But because it was a disaster and it was known. When tsunami hit uh, Japan, people were talking about how they're improved and how people of integrity in Japan were handling the situation, they were doing donations and stuff. What about before? Japan was doing a lot of good stuff before then too, but Hong what Kong happened? Kong had a whole civil rights shit going down right before right? the pandemic. Mm -hmm. yeah. Riots for what, months? Months, months. Yeah. yeah, it's still going on. Look, <laughs> I see people from other countries talking more about this hashtag Black Lives Matter issues more right now. And I see them like posting stuff, posting petitions, uh, creating drive folders about BLM um, resources. So I kind of, I don't know when that pendulum would hit back, but I think every negative thing, the wildness going on here has also a positive income, mm -hmm. which is you guys educating people around the world about the really mm. global issue going on here. But it's also kind of limited with uh, resources here. So I how do you go about that order? Yeah, my point with the pendulum metaphor is that to me All of the movement this way is positive. I don't give a fuck who is wiping out all of it this way is positive It's not until it hits that 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 Eight plateau. Minutes. It starts going back this way where it becomes negative right now. We Two weeks ago started moving this way Right. <laughs> so like that's what I'm saying. We had a long way of positive momentum this way before I think it starts coming back this way. So like I think that you're right. All of the resources being we shared, need people. all of the uh, international protests of being like actually focused on the police brutality aspect of the problem. Um, and I think that all of the intersectionality and, and, and ways that this ties into other issues is amazing because now folks don't have shit to do because you're at home. But to learn and be exposed to all of this different shit. Um, that was another conversation that I had this week is about people being mad about people just now understanding or coming to. I'm like, yo, you got to shut the fuck. When did you learn about this shit? <laughs> right? Like, you didn't always, you wasn't always woke. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, we all have this moment of where we come to realize, oh, shit, there's a, there's a moment where you just change how you look at things. Mm -hmm. And I hate the fact that we're like vilifying people for just now coming to realize it. white folks, black folks, anybody like, right? Like if you're coming to it now, welcome. We need your help. We, we can't afford to like be turning away people that are like genuinely becoming exposed to horrors that they just for whatever reason couldn't see before, but are now exposing themselves to it. I think the criticism is a little bit deeper than that. I feel like people are criticizing people f for just not coming to it because I feel like a lot of black people believe that since they've taken time to learn about other cultures and other people's um, experiences, like the Holocaust, everybody knows about the Holocaust, you teach it in school. So like, I think people assume since they've put in the work as individuals, they expect you to do that same amount of work. Mm -hmm. So 
I don't think it's just like, oh, you had an aha moment. It's like you should have known this because we've taken the time to learn about your experiences or we've been taught these in school. So I think that's some more of kind of what people are thinking when the fuck comes the to that. The difficult subject. thing about that, though, is when you first start learning something, you're very, very vocal as you start to process what you're learning, right? Mm. And uh, any of us who have had a learning experience that like really philosophically challenged who you are, what you think fundamentally, as soon as you got exposed to it, you were vocal about it. You wanted to talk about it. You were trying to explore it. So yeah, you go be an uh, evangelist for that concept, right? You're going to be loud about it. You're going to be talking about it, Mm. trying to deconstruct it or hone it in. That's what happens. Right, so not I think that. Time. I mean, I think I, not all the time, but you know I why? think in general dialogue, the way that it progresses and the way that a human being, um, you know, incorporates what they're learning into their everyday lives. I think this is kind of the process that you go to. You you have a value. You are introduced to something that challenges it. Then you debate it. Then you reflect on it then you figure out a way to incorporate these new ideas into what you already believe and then you're comfortable talking about it to others. I think that's kind of a universal process Mm -hmm. for the most part. I wanted to go back a little bit about what we were talking about as far as statements. Mm. Um, I thought it was interesting just on the way here we drove by a couple of stores that had signs on every window that said black owned, black owned. Like we know it. Did that mean fucking black downtown? <laughs> downtown. downtown. I'm like, is this like their signal saying, "Hey, don't bust my window"? Yes. Yes. And so if you do, we're gonna be able to use that media footage to say, "Oh, y'all built y'all fucking up black businesses." Mm-hmm. It's it it all. It's all of that. All of the alternatives you was about to say. It's all of those. And so it made me think about these statements and which statements are that little sticker on a window just okay. to a a don't come at my business mm-hmm. a smoke screen so that they're not part of the problem yeah. whether they want to be part of the solution or not right um sitting next to somebody who's running a couple of different organizations that has been needing to put out statements and i think it's been interesting sitting alongside that process like you were talking about hearing people who are on executive boards of organizations and realizing that me as not a member of that organization was the only black person in the room Mm -hmm. and just hearing the dialogue why they are hesitant to post one thing but more willing to post something else it it was kind of um i don't know it was interesting seeing this is the the works behind what you might see you scrolling through an instagram page or a twitter page and i can understand being mad like okay you have always been part of this problem and now you just want to throw up this thing like is it that sticker on the window or is it you finally getting with the shit and recognizing i don't really know whose place it is to say hey this ain't valid but i don't know where that falls it's hard and i think it's also it makes me think about how some cities like LA or like Minnesota have released statements like, okay, all of our police officers have to go through this diversity, what is it like, not bias training, training, not um, escalating situations. I'm like, cool, but in a way, the institution itself is still the problem. Exactly. And it's like, I feel like 
part of what you're saying about when is this going to reach a moment where the enabling becomes a negative enabling like i don't know when we're going to be satisfied because there's so much that needs changing and fixing yeah that i feel like people are going to um obviously not be satisfied by little things but not celebrate the little things because it's not enough yet and then make the people that are trying to fix themselves kind of be like man fuck this i'm trying to do right in y'all you know what i mean um yeah i mean i i think that's a really good point and it's complex i think it's difficult on all sides right it's difficult for folks who are going through the situation to be tasked with identifying ops and allies right because that's an exhausting process in and of itself when we have so many other things to worry about um at the same time we also need allies so we do need folks who have large platforms and resources to be able to speak on the behalf of the things that we're elevating but again you have to figure out how to vet that and who who's with the shits and who's not um and then in addition to that you also have to figure out and like filter out who's doing this so that they're on the right side of history and who's doing this because they actually give a fuck yeah um my thing is somebody i can't remember who it was i think it was maria taylor on espn black woman who does like a lot of the college football stuff on um espn she said uh something that i thought was really really compelling where she was talking about the drew Brees situation she was like fam you said in your statement this is what i feel this is what i like you were very clear in articulating what you felt right what the fuck have happened in the last 24 hours where your core has changed <laughs> right like you what you stated and she gave an example of somebody else who said i want to be clear i want to make myself very clear of what i'm saying like so then 24 hours later your core being of who you are as a human has changed and i'm supposed to believe that right like that's a a really important point like are you changed like have you quote unquote changed because people's talking shit you're receiving backlash or or have is this some sort of miracle where god has entered your life and has spoke the light into you and now hours later this apology is supposed to signify that i see the light now you know what i mean like that was a really compelling thing that she said i thought that was a, a really really good point and it speaks to what you're saying it's like Damn, we don't have time to be figuring out if you with the shits or not. I, I, I have to put my trust in people who have been with the shits at this point. Yeah. We need a, a whole other faction to vet John niggas, like, you know? I really have a question there. Yeah. I'm so curious. So, okay, it is a process to educate people mm-hmm. and to give them the right resources and let them know how to choose the right resources by themselves because we, you guys don't have enough time to like educate everyone one by one by sure. tutoring, right? obviously but once people try it like people start educating themselves and understanding more asking more talking more they also want to show support but there comes the hesitation if i show support how should i do that would i offend someone Mm -hmm. because i'm not a part of that community and a lot of people do have a lot of hesitations about either showing something or just educating themselves and not showing something and then 
here comes two different uh, point of views. Why don't you speak up? Why don't you show support? And why don't why you're talking like this? You're yeah. not black. So and then that's it's really, it's coming it's becoming so difficult to be like, what is the limit? What is the line? Because there will always be some people that you cannot satisfy in terms of the way you talk, in terms of the way you communicate, which side you are. Mm -hmm. So, and I think, yes, you guys don't have time to like maybe figure out is that person really meaning it or not, but also the change should continue. This so is why how? I thought about, uh, this is why I brought up the concept of roles last week. People have different roles in the movement. Everybody can't do everything. Right. Some mm -hmm. people are the educators, mm -hmm. right? Some people, it is their responsibility to start an organization, to start a book club called the Allied Book Club, and they're a black person facilitating these readings for white, bo white people. Is this All a real right. book club? Maybe. Um, <laughs> pending. <laughs> C3 status pending. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like that. Some people's role, that is their role, and that is what they're where their expertise lies that's what they're equipped to do some people's roles is to go outside and burn some shit to the motherfucking ground mm -hmm. right some people's roles is to go to the capitol building and and and, and try to write a law right. some people's roles is to be on the street corner with a megaphone yelling at people driving past the car <laughs> like everybody has a different role exactly. um and i think that the problem the reason that movements our movements the reason why they have historical relevance is because there's these snapshots of times where people come together and re and unite regardless like for a common thing regardless of their competing priorities or whatever they come together for something in a snapshot in the history that changes things that's why it's called a movement things move something shifts and i think that's kind of what we're seeing now all 50 states have held a protest 18 countries have held a protest. Do you think that shit, like, do you think that them riots ain't have something to do with that? Do you think that shit being on fire ain't have something to mm -hmm. do with that? Like, do you think that some people didn't look at that and interpret that as pain and look at that and be like, oh, wait, and take that to a whole new, like, there are roles for everyone in this movement, I think, and the problem because comes when we try to elevate certain roles higher than others and not understand the entire ecosystem of all of this shit has to be going together that's why i talked about who the real nigga representative is because there is there does need to be somebody or a group of bodies that is coordinating all of this shit it don't have to agree it don't have to match but it should be coordinated and strategic in some form or fashion do you think maybe drew Brees, for example he may have watched people express similar standings as his and hearing discussions about that in the past about Colin Kaepernick kneeling or whatever the case was. Um, but the opportunity that he had to speak and voice exactly how he stood and why he stood that way gave, gave way to people to speak directly to him how he stood why he stood that way to show him why that was wrong well, like if some other people it, i don't even think it's that deep i'm saying like if if you see somebody like feeling like a similar way as you whatever and people are shooting that down you may not understand why it's getting shot down as well as someone speaking directly to 
exactly how you feel and how you're standing. You know what I mean? Like someone's you saying, how do you feel about this? And you say exactly how you feel about it. And they're coming back and saying, okay, but you're not looking at A, B, and C. I feel like it's a more direct avenue towards getting enlightened and educating than it may not feel the same or you may not interpret it the same way because there might be slight differences when someone else is doing maybe doing something similar but not have the same reasons or perspective well i think that the fact that you're a motherfucking quarterback in the nfl means that all that shit go out the window fam you're supposed to know what the fuck to say and what not to say it sounded like to me that drew didn't know about the riots yet that's what it sounded. It sounded like he was still on Team America and everybody's yeah. argument that kneeling is disrespectful. It sounded to me that he hadn't got this latest bit of information yet and was still regurgitating those old talking points. Yeah. That's what it sounded like to me. So, like, to me, all of that shit that you said is relevant for certain folks <laughs> in society. But yeah. a motherfucking white quarterback, bro. Nah, fam. You don't and get that excuse. It's been That's what, I'm what damn near three years since Kaepernick said why he was kneeling. And and if anybody should know better, it's Drew Brees, fam. You've been in, you in New Orleans. You have given your money and time to these type of issues <laughs> that we talked about. So are you fucking stupid? Like you got all that playbook under your belt, but you just dumb as hell for real, for real, or you're ignoring it, or. You just hadn't talked to your PR person yet before <laughs> the, that interview. You know what I'm saying? Like it's all of these things are are at play. And the question the interview asked him, would his statements don't really align with the question that was asked? It was such a layup. Because she basically asked him, she was like, you know, with all that's going on, do you think that more players will be protesting? And he was like, I don't think well, they should disrespect the flag because my both my grandfathers were in. Like, what? You don't shut your like, eyes. Like, those talking points might have been acceptable four years ago exactly. or when this first started when people were a little bit more ignorant. But once Kaepernick made these statements, Drew Brees' teammates came out of nil. He had opportunities to talk to him about it. I was it. like, did he not – was he not at that game? I saw the picture and I was like, what was he doing? I didn't see him in the picture. Yeah. My point is, yeah, man. He, I think he's being willfully ignorant. Being I, I could definitely see that. Willfully ignorant. And I think that that's the privilege that white people have. They get to learn. Mm. And we die when we make a mistake, fam. <laughs> that's, the, that's the privilege. If you fuck up and accidentally have a counterfeit bill, then somebody going to kneel on your neck and you're going to die on national television. You see what I'm saying? This motherfucker gets to make a wild-ass statement and continue to collect his endorsement deals and just get to say, oh, my bad. I ain't mean it like that. I don't even know if y'all heard the fucking initial apology. It was some bullshit. <laughs> it was some hot ass garbage. Yeah, I, I, saw I think it this is this is what I think. Two things. One, white people, honestly, if you don't know what to say, it's almost better to just shut the fuck up and not say shit. Just show some receipts of your donations. Post them on your story. Fifty dollars. Dude, dude, we're gonna get into Virgil in a second, but like. Dude, just shut the fuck up. If you don't know what to say, you gotta shut the fuck up. Two, we need more black PR people. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, because goddamn, y'all, whoa. The PR. Listen, between Doja Cat and Drew Brees PR, 
what the that's bad for y'all's industry. Whoever's in that industry, it don't look good for y'all, fam. That shit wild. I don't know. Any other thoughts on oh and then and then Roger Goodell, speaking of statements, they put out uh the NFL put out like a statement low key in response to its player statement. Um basically saying we stand for black people. Um and you know, players who have been speaking about this are right without acknowledging Kaepernick by name and without saying really shit. This was one of them examples of folks who have behaved one way and now all of a sudden are making statements and mm-hmm. that, that are completely contradictory. Which I'm surprised the NFL said anything because historically yes. they haven't. So I'm curious why now? Well, I know why wonder now. I wonder if Jay-Z has anything to do with it. Like, hey, man, y'all got to say something? Like him being the black person in the room? I think it's a combination Telling them what to of, say and how to say it? I think it's a combination of that and the fact that for the first time in its history, the players made a public statement, a united public statement. Mm. They said their statement that the players made said, this is what we want to hear. We, the NFL, condemn racism. <laughs> this is based and lo and behold. Roger Goodell quoted those exact things that they the players demanded that we hear. So this is the first time in my knowledge that the NFL players have publicly made any kind of statement as other a united kneeling. front. <laughs> right, other than kneeling. But even then, it was, what, a handful of people doing that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and publicly, not privately, but publicly putting an imperative on the organization, on the shield, as saying, yeah. hey, we're the talent. <laughs> we're saying y'all need to do this and not in no private room with Jay-Z and them. Not in no little secret meeting with the NFL PA and all of that shit. No, they said that shit on IG, fam. They said it for everybody to see it. That's so I think the combination of both of those two things is what made the NFL come out and say something. Um, doesn't mean that they still look nuts, right? They should have signed Cap. They should have They should have had yeah. a joint release. Hey yo, Captain to play for the Vikings now, and <laughs> <We're> sorry, <laughs> sorry, that nigga so, was right. <laughs> like that, that would have been did, more. If they do do that, like say the next two weeks, do you feel like they've redeemed themselves, or do you think they still have more work to do? No, you got more work to do, but you're on the right track. Now you're gotcha. starting to change the tides, and that's the other thing that I think that like allies need to be careful of, or newfound allies, and all of that, fam. This shit ain't no. Oh, we just now fuck with you now. No. This is how you have to act and behave from now on. And at some point, <laughs> we may be able to fully trust you and bring you in. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's another thing that allies have to be comfortable with is understanding that, yo, doing a couple of things and saying a couple of things is not uh, enough for you to just be brought into the fold. Like, you've just been with the shits. Yeah. And I think that a lot of, like well-intentioned allies need to be cognizant of that fact that this ain't no easy process fam this ain't just no oh you gave a couple dollars come on in this ain't you know what i mean this ain't that it's not that's not how it works you have to build trust over time um yeah there's that speaking of people that are going forward that will be representatives for this movement how do you feel about the Kanye West conspiracy? Kanye West potentially being one of those people. Yeah. So um, have y'all heard, for all of y'all who don't know, have y'all heard the Kanye West conspiracy? No. 
I no? just know that he donated a college fund for Gianna Floyd. Mm-hmm. Okay. And some other it's part of it, yeah. Things too, but I don't know if he made a public statement or not. I don't th- think he did. He, he, he better fucking not. <laughs> and he was way. marching too the other day. I saw that. There's another one we need to shut the fuck <laughs> up right now. <laughs> so how you guys see him like before the this college donation, college fund donation, or him not saying anything but just acting this time compared mm-hmm. to the other times that he was talking publicly? What do you think he is a part of the community through the way he talks and communicates his point of view or he is in a in a wrong track of doing whatever he's doing but still a part of the community? That's where the conspiracy comes in. Yeah. So uh it came across my timeline. I think I shared it um at least with you, Justin. But basically there's evidence on the internet circulating that um Kanye West has been playing chess this whole time, right? So there's a couple of things that have popped up. Is this the same theory that you saw? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so it's yeah, the same, same post one. that you saw. Yeah. Apparently... Well, I didn't see that post you sent. That's... Is this more in-depth than what you saw? Like This is the part where they're talking about so who he's donated to. I never saw that part. Okay. So apparently... Uh, apparently... Kanye, like y'all mentioned, he's donated uh, to Gianna's college fund. Apparently, um, he's donated to a bunch of black-owned businesses in Chicago, nationwide. Pay for the defense of Ahmad Aubrey and um, somebody else. Maybe, I don't think Breonna Taylor, because it's nothing. But uh, yeah, it's a couple people. He's been making moves. I'm also hearing that uh, Kanye affiliates have been talking about, yo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nope. Hold on, brother. <laughs> Can't just say affiliates. Is, that's GLC. Gangsta L Crisis. One of Chicago's most well-respected rappers. I was going okay. to impress that fact after okay. I said Okay, okay. I just didn't want to start off with affiliate. Said. Okay. But what he had said was that... Uh, Kanye is apparently never wearing the hat, the red hat again. Uh, he was just wearing it so that he could get these meetings with Trump because he felt like Trump would not listen to him or have any conversations with him otherwise. And that, um, you know, apparently he has never donated a single penny to the Trump <laughs> campaign. And in fact, evidence shows that all of his donations since Trump has been elected have been to Democrats, the DNC, progressive candidates. He's just never talked about it. Um, one other kind of secret rumor that I've heard through my sources is that y'all remember that check that uh, Chance cut for Amara and her mayoral race? Mm-hmm. That that wasn't Chance's money. Ah. <laughs> Apparently, from what I hear, that that was Kanye's money. And because of the situation, he didn't want his name attached to it. Yeah. So, he it so the conspiracy theory is that undercover agent Kanye is the spook who spat by the fucking door. Yeah. In the red hat. <laughs> in the red hat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that he has been operating like this. What do y'all think of that theory? What do y'all think? What do y- What do y'all think? How do y'all feel about that? I think it has some credence because. I I trust GLC. Um, 
as an individual, he's, he's always seemed like a stand-up guy. He's always done work within the community, so I don't know why he would just make that lie up when he didn't need to. And historically, from Kanye's thoughts and behaviors and music, he's pretty much expressed how he's felt about black people's plight in America. So I'm more likely to believe it than not believe it. Yeah, do y'all have any takes? I'll go last. No, I'm going last. <laughs> like, Ralphie? <laughs> <what? laughs> uh, this is very... So you explaining this, this is the first time I'm hearing any of that. Mm-hmm. So it's very uh, fresh to me. I want to believe it. I think part of why, I guess over the past couple years, I've been so angry and disliking him is because I liked him so much before he started saying out-of-pocket stuff that I didn't agree with. Mm-hmm. So I kind of felt hurt. Like, really, you going to do us like that? Right. Um, so I would love to believe that this was the secret plan all along and to get in where change can be made but what did he do like what what change was made and now he could slowly start coming back to the well the conspiracy part of the conspiracy is he was doing all these things with trump in order to help some of the people black people that had been put in jail falsely or in, for unfair reasons get them out of jail so like that's the reason why they said he was doing all these things in the first place. It was to help do that. Uh, another theory that I heard was his intention is to, uh, and this is come something that he hasn't even tried to hide, is that he's not, he just wants the relationship between black people and Democrats to be disrupted. So another theory that I've heard is by him exposing black people to conservative views and values that maybe that will shake up how they just view shit, the two-party system, basically. You definitely done that. Mission <laughs> fucking accomplished, right? Yeah. Um, what if there is no conspiracy? What if this is what who eat who is? Like, I don't know what statements he gave regarding the actions and mindset of Trump or any type of group that Trump is representing. 100%, whatever percent, but I think the place he grew, the community he grew, and he still, like, I don't know, maybe because I like his music, so I do kind of listen some of the comments he has been giving about the backstory of the music he produced, like his ties to his community, visiting his mother's house, and, like, neighbors. I believe there is not, like, he not being a part of this community or not trying to help a part of the community but maybe he does really have parts that he agrees with other point of opposing views that he is trying to speak up about it and i don't think when you agree with some sort of point of views with other people it doesn't mean you're agreeing and um supporting all actions that they do and they put out there and people do talk a lot about public figures actions and behaviors but it i don't i think it also all of these conspiracy theories has also something to do with the person he is married to and Mm -hmm. that person's race and behaviors and social status and everything i don't think it's just about his political views and actions yeah i think that uh 
I actually kind of kind of fall alongside that line of maybe it's not a conspiracy. I have been one of the most vocal Kanye West apologists <laughs> for a very, very, very long time. And I say that to say that I know the conversations that folks was having about Kanye West when he disrupted Taylor Swift's speech, right? Um, I remember I, I remember vividly how folks felt about Kanye West when he said George Bush doesn't care about black people. I remember how folks felt about the way that Kanye was behaving up to a certain point. Mm. Then I also remember when he stopped behaving that way, people suddenly saying we missed the old Kanye. So <laughs> I remember watching people shit on this man for just who he was and how he behaved. Then I watched them shit on him for not being the way that he was when they were shitting on him. And then I've also watched what we've been exposed to as the public in terms of a mental health journey as well. So I've, mm. I have personally watched all of these different things, right? Um, and to me, I'm, I don't think that this is a, a, a case of a conspiracy theory. I think that we're watching a human being grow and learn. <laughs> and be Second like, to that. Like in the age of technology and social yeah. media. I think that's what we're observing here. Because low-key, for those who know, if you know, you know, Kanye West has actually been a very consistent person <laughs> throughout his entire career, through this MAGA shit and all. Low-key, if you pay attention, he's actually been very consistent ever since he's came out in terms of the type of things that he's talking about and what he's elevating what he's bringing attention to now he's gone about it different ways he's alienated and brought in different types of people at varying stages but low-key just him himself and what he's talked about and what he's elevated it's been very fucking consistent in terms of what he attaches himself to and you know who he alienates and all of that shit all of that is up for interpretation i think and it becomes complicated when you have a celebrity a black celebrity his interracial relationship, the person he's in the relationship with, like all of these things serve as like distractions and like ammo to discredit and like just take the conversation somewhere else. But to me, what it boils down to is, fam, why are we putting so much responsibility on celebrities? Why are we doing all of mm. this to these people? They don't do shit but entertain us. They got popular. We know them. We love them because of the distraction they provided to our everyday lives yeah. and then we're suddenly when some shit happens to us that affects our everyday lives we're going to look to them as role models to represent how we like that shit just don't make no sense to me i mean it, it don't make no historically nah, 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 nah. historically that's what athletes have done yeah you got your kareem abdul jabbar that was a Ali's. personal responsibility you gotta exactly. think about it there was no pressure for them to do that that was a personal thing there was, there was no social media that's the civil rights act, movement? But the pressure, though, was different because OJ existed. His ass wasn't at no marches. There was no pressure. They were putting people in jail. No. <laughs> not no, going no, to the war. Internally. Okay. I'm talking about from the people. <laughs> from the, yeah, they were putting people in jail. You, but I'm talking you, about the community. That's my I don't question. know about that part. The community wasn't... Nah, it was no I pressure think, from I the think community. I think it was. I think it was. I don't 
know about that, fam. I think like, that they the did, of course, why, they weren't getting internet people on the internet, but like, I'm pretty sure they had people that were their handlers or people within the community that they talked to. Because, you know, Malcolm X, Muhammad, they used to be in the hood. Like, they would but go I'm to the saying, communities and talk to people. What I'm saying is, that is the reason why those people are fucking icons, bro. The reason why. But that's why around, people expect the it, though. Why, that's all I'm saying. Historically, these Fair people enough. have been leaders within the community, so... I don't even think that's a true statement, though. Jerm Brown was not the le- a leader in the community. Because he wouldn't see it, and this is what I'm okay. talking about. Maybe his because role was different, but, but he was he, but he was still Rose. leading in some Why sort of way. Why was Jerm Brown important? Because mm-hmm. he was the best NFL running back at the time. He was hugely popular mm-hmm. in all of these things, and... He was talking about socially relevant issues. Now, was Jim Brown at these meetings where James Baldwin and Malcolm X and Martin and all of them were having these conversations? Yeah. But what was his intellectual input into those conversations? What role did he play in that movement? I, I mean, that, that, his role was, that wasn't his role. His role was to spread the message. Okay. So, so why are we expecting Kanye West to be, or any other black entertainer, ASAP Rackham, Lil Wayne, or whoever to be the intellectual front and not to just carry the message. Because Why are our expectations of them different than the examples that we already have? If if, I, if the, that example is the reason why folks have the expectation of them now. I don't know if the expectations are different, but I just think people hold them to a higher standard based off of historical um, individuals. Alright, so... I mean, I think that's stupid, but if that's what we all agreed to do, all right, cool. At the end of the day, then what we have to also do is uh, allow for folks to uh, ideals and values to develop. Yep. If if we're going to do that, then Mm -hmm. we also have to do that. We also have to give people the space to like, we got to think about it. Like. Most of the entertainers that we know, we low-key grew up with them. They were young as fuck, too, when we got introduced to them. You think they haven't developed how they think and process information and see the world since they first got rich? A lot of these people have now been richer, rich longer than they were poor. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, we're dealing with a different individual now. <laughs> yeah. The college dropout ain't. Jesus walks. That's not the same person. They've gone through different shit. Yeah. They've been, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I don't know. I'll say that. To me, though, I just feel like Kanye West is a representation of just human development. Like, I agree. Folks just learning, processing shit, going through shit. And obviously, given he's in a very, very privileged and hard to relate to position, I think. Yeah. But it's a good microcosm or juxtapos- juxtaposition of a lot of the shit that we go through on a day-to-day basis too. Also, you don't read books, so this process is going to be a lot slower than other people. <laughs> Why are we asking him questions? I think Why are we asking Kanye West and Lil Wayne questions about the world right now? Please tell me I how is that not why, Part of why people put... I think part of why people put so much responsibility on these celebrities or entertainers they have a voice is exactly not because they're learned individuals who have insight that other people don't have but because they have a greater platform a greater reach just like you would expect or would like to see 
a Caucasian person speaking up against black rights because they have a different platform that it might be received differently by another Caucasian person. I think it's similar to that. The people who are in control and in charge of a lot of the things that we're experiencing the negative aspects of, they may be able to speak to them because they are part of that circle. Or even they might be able to educate other people that are in our same situations that might not know about it. Then I would have one question regarding that. Earlier, like we mentioned that there should be different roles and there should be educators and people who got educated. In the sense about black community and black history and culture, all of these rights, if people who are educating are black people and if people who are getting educated and have to limit and control and really like pick and choose the things that they're saying in um, bigger platforms are people other than uh, black people, how can you create diversity within those platforms because I think the way through the uh, example you gave a Caucasian person would educate other Caucasian fellows through what they understand because there are some cultural obstacles between societies so you cannot just educate global issues through just one resource there should be ambassadors you know so how would you select and educate those people so that they can educate bigger groups, more diversity. Like, how can you do that? Yeah, so, I mean, it's got to be somebody's job. Whose? <laughs> I don't know. Somebody. Maybe still some black people's. Maybe. Maybe yeah. you, edu- you're going to educate I'm me. I mean, I mean, it's an imagery. <laughs> I'm saying, like, you will educate yeah. me, and I will educate him, and he will educate his people. I mean, on a personal yeah. level, yeah. you could do that. It's, it's like a mentor-mentee kind of relationship, you know? Yeah. And that's why there needs to be people who get it on every level. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with that a lot. Yeah, to me it goes back to the role the roles thing. And I and I also think that another thing too though, when for example there is a white person in that position and they don't use their platform to raise these issues, you might be salty, but you don't feel I don't feel that they have a responsibility to do so. I think it's fucked up when they don't, <laughs> right? But I don't think it's a requirement yeah. to use your platform to talk about anything. I don't think that's a requirement of an artist. And I think that that's, to me, where my disconnect is, is that what you said, Rafi, I think is true, is that society expects that because you have this platform, you speak for people. Whoever those people are, we might not know or care about what you speak for people, regardless of what you personally think or not. Um, And I feel like that's so complicated because, you know, the reason that people fall in love with certain type of people have nothing to do with any of that shit. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we're clearly not complex enough in terms of our societal dialogue to be able to separate someone's art and with joy they're able to provide you and how they feel about the world that we all live in i think it's the the idol aspect for me i mean i am sure plenty of people relate but for me kobe was someone i paid attention to his every word and every move that's how i was with yeah and it was a moment where i realized oh this is just a nigga 
<laughs> right? Like it was a it was a legit moment where I realized, oh, this is a regular fucking nigga. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment where we're I all stopped. watching. Exactly. And that's when the, the moment where I realized, oh, this yeah. it's just it's just a it's just a regular person. <laughs> that that's where yeah. I and that's when I started understanding was like, oh shit. This is kind of unfair for us to be putting all of this pressure on them because they seem good, right? Like yeah. I'm supposed to expect yeah. you've been you was broke for 16 years and in the struggle, and have now been you you've exceeded all of that poverty <laughs> several times over in the last 10 years. Mm. But I'm supposed to expect that you have the perspective. Like that's just that just seems like a lot of weight and responsibility that that's not yeah. fair. But so what what do you guys think about the quotes implying that if you remain silent, you're choosing the side of oppressor? So if you're saying that people are not like, yeah, so if you're saying people are not responsible to use their platforms or whatever content they're referring while while they're talking about issues like this, where where does that quote comes from or what certain of degree you're agreeing with that? I personally don't agree with that quote. Because um, people assume silence means you're not doing anything. We're like Kanye West, to use him as an example, he hasn't come out and said anything, but he's he's used his resources um, as far as his money and his influence to help these people get out of jail. So like, yeah, silence is subjective. Yeah, and like, and people are quick to accuse you of not making a statement on the internet, which is the bare minimum. So I'd rather have somebody do the stuff in the background that are actually making impacts as far as like talking to district attorneys like in Minnesota to get the other officers acquitted or, you know, talking to the president or, I'm sorry, convicted. (laughs) That's probably what's going to happen though. But uh, yeah, so I, I don't agree with people that make statements like that. Yeah, to me, silence is, uh, I mean, one of my favorite sayings of all times actions speak louder than words so your silence is not about what you say it's about what you're doing and i think it's a whole lot of loud motherfuckers that's being silent <laughs> right now mm-hmm. right it's a lot of people making statements that ain't about to do shit to me that's being silent yeah it's a lot of motherfuckers who ain't saying shit right now but have been doing things way more impactful in the movement than could ever really be put into words right mm-hmm. so like that's a that's a tricky statement. I think that's one of those statements that can be co-opted to use against people and all of that. Like your silence is killing us and all of that shit. I don't I don't I don't I don't like that. And I don't like that sentiment being spread. Um, and with that being said, again, I do not think it's anyone's responsibility who is not equipped to be helpful to just be speaking out of time. If you, like, I cannot say this enough, fam. If you don't know what you're talking about, please shut the fuck up. You're making it worse. (laughs) You're making it worse. You're just making it worse. You're not helping anything. Your platform is what it is, but if you're not using it to help, you're using it to hurt. Mm. Right? Right. It's the same same logic, low-key. If you can't help this thing... If you can't put push this train, then your ass need to be putting grease on the tracks then. You know what I'm saying? You cannot be stopping this movement. And that's what a lot of people are doing. 
simply by opening their fucking mouths. And I think that that's more dangerous. Um, so yeah, some people need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> some people actually just do need to shut the fuck yeah. up. And that's why I appreciate Ye in this moment. Because I feel like there is a bit of self-awareness there. He know he got to shut the fuck up. I hope. I hope he know he got to shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know. I saw a tweet the other day. It was like, it's not June 1st. It's March 87th. <laughs> yeah. No, somebody said, uh, is today Sunday or July 37th? <laughs> Alright, here we go. Here we go, here we go. I have a question. Would you guys be, like, because this is something that the conversation kind of let us, what do you kind of expect from the society, from the city, or whatever, people around you from your life? What do you want to change? What do you want to keep the same? Like, because we were talking about expectations, point of views, I, like everybody has an expectation, either from yourself, from your friends, from like whoever knows your friends. Mm -hmm. Like we we're trying to understand that. We're trying to make people put these statements, people who know what they're talking about. And I believe you guys do know what you guys are talking about. Sometimes. This time, <laughs> about this time, this, about these topics we have been recently talking. Do you guys know what kind? What are you talking about? I believe so. Do you my, guys believe so? My, I know exactly what I want. My bare minimum expectation is just to be more awareness of some of the issues and the plight of Black American people. That's the bare minimum. The more hopeful part of me would hope there would be some kind of. Um, change systemically to help improve the plight of uh, people in America, black people in America, and eventually people of other communities, because there is a disparity in a lot of different communities, but, so I guess that would mean some kind of economic empowerment, whether that be through reparations or programs to help people start small businesses or help them hone ownership or things along those lines. Uh, I would say acknowledgement, acknowledgement of the wrongs done to black people historically. I would say repairing the damage done by the unacknowledged historical uh, systemic things put into place to make black people at a disadvantage and then get the fuck out of our way. <laughs> Those are the things that I want. Let 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 the Black Wall Streets pop up. Let the Brownsvilles pop up. Let the let these communities pop up and leave us the fuck alone. That's honestly, ultimately, what I want. <laughs> Low key, like let us do our shit. Like fix. Say you fucked up. Do something to fix your fuck up, and then get the fuck out the way. If you can have the choice between, um, like them acknowledging their fuck-ups or them just trying to repair it through programs or money, which one would you pick or you need both? One word that was not a part of the options that I gave was try. Mm. We're not trying shit. <laughs> fix it. <laughs> Acknowledge it. Okay. Fix it. Get the fuck out the way. There's no trying anywhere in there. Because trying is that same bullshit of 40 acres and a mule that we were supposed to get. They, that was a try. 
interesting story. Was it tried? Like, was it tried? You, you know what happened? Um, so <laughs> I'm gonna fuck up the name, so I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> not get too specific. So Abraham Lincoln talked to a person. I believe he was a, a senator, and that was his idea for reparations for black people. So like the land they took from the southerners. They took land from the southerners, southerner, especially those that owned slaves, and they were going to give that to the slaves with their mule. And what happened was Abraham Lincoln got assassinated. And once he got assassinated, I forgot who his vice president was, but he was like one of those southern good boys. So he decided to reverse all of that and give the land back to the slave owners and even give them money to compensate them for losing their slaves. And then that's where sharecropping came into play. Because now they had the land back, and they were like, oh, we know you set you free, but we still want to help you out. So now you're working for me. Still. I'm still getting all the money. You're getting pennies for your labor. So, yeah, that's how that happened. Don't, don't try. Don't try <laughs> shit else. <laughs> so we probably would have got it if Abraham Lincoln didn't get assassinated. So you got to blame John Wilkes Booth for that one. Yeah. Good old Johnny. <laughs> um, all right. So Florida man, uh, this one is near and dear to our Chicago hearts. It's about pizza. Um, so this guy is behind bars for allegedly throwing a hot slice of pizza. that it was hot. A hot slice of pizza at his female roommate during an argument in their Florida apartment. Um, what? Yeah. According to police, Daniel Plunkett and... How are you like 56 with a roommate? Like, Hey, man. <laughs> that's your girlfriend. Listen, man. <laughs> Or your wife. Like. Listen, according to police, Daniel Plunkett and Brenda, not going to try that, had an argument about pizza last Wednesday evening inside their Treasure Island residence. The nature of the pizza dispute is not further described in the criminal complaint. Uh, but apparently during the fight, Plunkett, who's 50 years old, uh, allegedly threw a slice of pizza at Brenda, who's 56, uh, she was struck in the hand, and the pizza was hot. Mm. Um, she had sauce on her right shoulder, but apparently cleaned up before the police arrived. Mm. They left all food in Florida. Yeah. Uh, after, after the police read plunking his rights, he denied throwing the pizza. Um, but even though he had pizza sauce on his chest and shorts, said that Brenda threw the pizza at him. I mean... To me, this begs the question, is there any pizza-related topic where you would be willing to throw some pizza at somebody? I have uh, one that's near and dear to me, but I'll let you guys go first. I might have to find this footage, but... Oh, shit. <laughs> you threw some pizza at somebody? No, I didn't. I recorded <laughs> a, 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 a dispute that included someone getting smacked in the face with a slice of pizza. <laughs> And it is one of the greatest things. I I have to see if I still yeah, find it. I will post that. Shit. <laughs> no, Florida, man. I don't know. I might, I might not so, be able to. Those people <laughs> might be important to that. Ah, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You have to censor the faces out. Yeah. So uh, I'm a staunch, staunch proponent of pizza shouldn't have more than three toppings. Because once you go over three toppings, the pizza becomes inedible. Be or unedible because the pizza starts to sag in the middle. Even if you, especially if you have a thin crust pizza, like you gotta fold it and it starts sliding out. It's like eating a piece of sloppy joe. It's very disgusting. I don't know how you people live like that. So 
I, I can see how I'm not a violent person. I definitely wouldn't hit a woman. But if I was like with one of the homies and he was like, we need to get these four toppings, I'm going to have to disagree and slap him with the pizza. But After it arrives? Probably right. before. Hand, maybe an open hand slap before. Then if like if I if it was ordered before I got there, they're like, yeah, we got this on the pizza. I'm slapping them like you should know better than to get three toppings. Then when it comes again, just a reminder to show them like how heavy and sloppy four toppings can be. <laughs> See, then I'll, yeah. So, what are your three toppings though? I mean, it now this is going to sound crazy, right? Bear with me. Bear with me. You never had. You probably never thought I had this combination. Pizza after I had this. Like like, this doesn't. This, this one ingredient doesn't belong on pizza. This is what everybody okay. tells me. So, nope. I'm gonna tell you the, my three favorite pieces that are out of the ordinary that, ordinary that I've had. So I've had um, a pizza with brisket, smoked brisket, and kale, and now in Jardinera. That was one of the better pizzas I had. I didn't think kale belonged on pizza, but when you put kale on pizza, it gets crispy and kind of dries out a little bit. So it's like dehydrated, so it adds a crunch to it. And you don't get that taste of when you eat kale and it gets like grainy in your mouth. So that's the sleeper pick right there. And the one, my favorite pizza that I get criticized the most for liking is, it's a jalapeno bacon white pizza with mashed potatoes. The mashed potatoes is really what's disturbing to people but I'm telling you that is a fire combination it's this uh this is um brewery slash pizza place called slice and um like I I never thought of the, both th those three ingredients as far as combination but the waitress said it was one of her favorites I was like all right cool I'll try it because we got like two different pizzas I got a regular pizza I know I like like maybe pepperoni and sausage then I got that one. That one by far was the best pizza I've ever had there. And they have some fire pizzas. So if you I mean, ever go I to Slice. Like we can, I, I feel like I could throw a lot of holes in your debate. What if there's a topping that doesn't, isn't very dense or doesn't add a lot of weight or doesn't affect the physical makeup of the pizza? I'm going to need you to name a topping, brother. Don't, they count no kale hypotheticals. as a topping. Kale? But <laughs> what are the other three ingredients? All right, so, for example, if you, the pizza you just described, it was, what was it? Mashed potato. Mashed potato. And it wasn't, like, spread on it. It was just, like, dollops. How you would do, like, b buffalo mozzarella right, right, where you right. do a slice on a margarita pizza. Mashed potatoes. Bacon and jalapeno. Bacon, jalapeno. Mm -hmm. If somebody wanted to add onions to that. That's disgusting. If somebody wanted to add extra cheese. Is that a topping? It is. I always yeah. run into that issue. I mean, um, from the restaurant standpoint, as far as charging you, yes. They're going to try to get every penny out of you. What if they wanted to add greens? Greens is not going to physically change the makeup of that pizza. See, which, I see what you're Finish. trying to do. What I'm saying is, you're arguing right, right. No, no, no. four ingredients is too much because it... No, three or more. Heavy. Three or more. Three or more makes it too much because it affects is, how you have to eat it. It right. too heavy. It, I see what you're trying to do. Right, with the ingredients you added would make the pizza not as good as it would be with those three ingredients. So, you could do that if you want to, but then you're losing the taste. So you're telling how much can your mouth handle? Pause. Hey, yo. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I think it's uh, time to go ahead and wrap up episode twenty of the self-medicated podcast.
How much can you follow, Great title. <laughs> episode title. If y'all made it to the end of this episode, you will appreciate that shit. But yeah, man, that was a that was a that was a pretty good extensive Florida man topic. I mean, yeah. it had some Florida man, had some story time, had some a little bit of everything. But um, yeah, man, we want to take this opportunity to thank everybody who has listened, uh, tuned in, made it this far. Um, I am, once again, your host, the Wayfair, a.k.a. Young Quentin Quarantino, a.k.a. the Banter Boss, here with the captain of the Igloo, Young Popular, Friendly, a.k.a. the Box Hunter, a.k.a. One Pop Poppy, uh, also huge shout out to the man behind the visuals, a.k.a. Young Fast and Furious, and our special guest today, Nesh, a.k.a. Seagull, a.k.a. Nomad, Nomad a.k.a. the Turkish Delight. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Once again, thank you for listening. It's been the Self-Medicated Podcast, and we out. Nigga, that shit is genius. Yeah! Yeah!